What's happening in the canine industry? For all the latest news, views and expert opinions, stay right here for the canine paradigm. You'll hear from industry leaders, experts, doyens of the industry, learned colleagues, movers and shakers, and the odd Randy guest. Get the latest insights and expert advice from both here and abroad from the people in the know. Now, here are your hosts, Glenn Cook and Pat Stewart. And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here. Hey, it's been a while since we talked about our old mate Jason Furman. Uh, has he paid his bills? He has paid his bills. Oh, okay. So we should record him a new ad. Surely he has a website now? Uh, no, he does not. Oh, uh, maybe he's provided a direct phone number people can order through? Uh, I'll just check. Nope, no phone number either. I like the way that you're actually pretending to look whether he has provided <laughs> <laughs> So if you want to get in contact with Jason, you still have to do that through Facebook. It's uh, Einswick Dog Quip, E-I-N-Z-W-E-C-K. Jason can hook you up with all the things you might be interested in getting, the Firepaw Mills, which a lot of people are getting and loving. Mm. He has Herm Springer products, if you're into those. Yep. He has balls, leashes, tugs. Yep. And at the moment, he has a 10% discount on all Canine USA products. That's pretty cool. And I believe he's got a lot of the other stuff that you can use to compete in GRC as well, such as the sleds and the mm-hmm. spring poles. Yeah, that's correct. He yeah. sure does. Well, that's so great. That's a sport that, taking the world by storm. Yeah. So if you're into that or you just like training your dog, having a good time, have a chat to Jason on Facebook at Einswick Dog Quip. Yep. Send him an inventory via Messenger and get your gear. <laughs> <laughs> get a website, Jason, you bozo. Yeah. Welcome back to the Canine Paradigm. I'm your host, Glenn Cook, and joined in studio is my regular co-host, Pat Stewart. Hello. Hi. What's going on? You tell me. Well, we're back. We are back. back. Yeah, I know. We've had a week away. Uh, Well, we had a week off, not away. Had a week off. I was away. Uh, You were- I've just been slogging it out. You've been slugging it out. You've been working your guts out, which is good. Yeah. 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 And uh, Um, had, uh, had recently had an interesting and- well, I don't know if it was well-received, but it certainly had a lot of feedback when you went on the show with Nick Benger, is it? Yeah, Nick Benger. Nick yeah. Benger? yeah. I mean, you got pretty good feedback. Cheated on you while you were gone. It was actually, I think we recorded it while you are still here, but it came out while you were gone. <laughs> oh, actually, you were back when it came out. But uh, anyway, yeah, went on Nick. Nick's a friend. We have been talking for, I don't know, maybe over a year. We talk on and off and mm. um, shoot each other messages. And He's listened to our show a few, a few times, hasn't he? Yeah, I think he's heard our show and I listen to his. We've got, you know, a lot of mutual listeners that have sort of linked us up and that's how we got to that. Uh, Matthias in Canada, you know, ages ago he said that we should check him out and Nick had made a video saying that sort of discussing the way that force-free people need to up their game in the language they use and basically he made a video saying that you need to stop saying that shot collars or, or are that and that e-collars are these terrible things and that anybody who uses one on a dog is a monster. And he doesn't agree with using them necessarily, but he was saying there's videos of people like he, he referenced Michael Ellis and was like this, you, anybody just has to watch this video and you can see the dude's dogs look amazing. Mm. Um, and he's not a, 
he's not a yank and crank trainer by any stretch of the imagination. And so he made a video and he got a little bit of flack for that video. And anyway, some people linked us up and I watched that video and I, I reached out to him and said, hey, like, I just think that's, you know, it's a good move and congratulations. Yeah, that's and commendable. We yeah. So we were talking a little bit after that and then he invited me on the show and we had to actually, it's the second time we did a, a podcast because we did the first one. It didn't record correctly. Mm, I remember um, you telling me. Yeah. And then it was a really different conversation. The first one we're talking about aggression. Uh, and I think we had a better, more open conversation the second time around. So that's probably a better one to go to, to go to air. But yeah, I mean, look, I mean, all of our listeners have, have enjoyed it. I think the, the thing about balanced trainers or positive first trainers, as we, we call ourselves, um, <laughs> is that we don't close ourselves off to anybody or their ideas because the whole the whole point is we're using the full spectrum and everything that's available to us. That's and, right. And, and, and so I think a lot of our listeners do listen to a lot of the force-free community stuff because you can – and are involved in those type of trainers because you can pick up some awesome stuff. It would be crazy to cut yourself off from – someone because they they exclusively say like I'm just I'm I'm not going to use any negative reinforcement or positive punishment. Mm. Well, if they're achieving good things, they must be quite exceptional in their use of positive reinforcement and so you're crazy not to learn from those people. Like why not? So, I think that we get a lot of crossover that way, but I don't think there's a lot of crossover the other way. <laughs> I don't think there's there's too many people. And there were some interesting comments, you know, like just like us with the discussion group and we had some like I posted it obviously in our discussion group and there's a lot of people commenting on that, and some really good feedback and that sort of thing, which I was um, happy with. But in his group, there still was some good feedback and it hasn't degenerated into name calling anywhere, but there was just clearly a fair amount of cognitive dissidence where people just can't come to terms with what they heard and and a lot of people then still trying to i don't know if it's actively misinterpreting what i was saying but certainly misinterpreting whether they mean to or or are choosing not to understand it or not i don't know but then a lot of our guys got in there and were really you know wrote some really thoughtful comments so it's actually been i think overall all in all it's been a pretty good thing i mm. think it's uh it's been well received mostly I think the main thing, you know, me and Nick together agreed that neither of us are trying to convert anyone or the other. You know what I mean? It's it's not that's no, you're not just the point a of the conversation, conversation with each other. Yeah, we're just trying to have a conversation and talk about it. And like I say, I'm always interested. As I said on his show, I, I'm really my ethics lie in the just like you. My ethics lie in the picture of the dog. Mm. So long as the dog looks good, that that's all I can measure. And so if my training accomplishes that then I'm happy. And if I can learn how to do that better from anybody, I'm interested in doing that. I'm not wed to any type of training system. I'm wed to outcomes. And I want my dog to be, I want my dog and people I coach with their dogs to be as powerful and as expressive and reliable in their behaviors as possible, but also, you know, have the, the correct attitude that accompanies that, the heart and soul type picture. Well, right? I think and, we've made that point on many occasions. Like I don't think yeah, there's any stop. anybody who's been listening to our show Without sounding rude, that that's it's just it's the same rhetoric that we've been preaching for a long time, and we both we both agree on that. There's no yeah. two ways about it. You, me, and just about anybody I know that's been in dogs and been in them for a while has made a ton of mistakes. It's like people who start playing a musical instrument; they sound fucking terrible when they start banging away on it. Eventually, if they spend enough time and they take constructive criticism from people, they actually start sounding moderately good and then they become good and then they if they really have heart and soul like we speak about 
our work in dogs or our progression or our direction we want to take things, then you you can become amazing, you know, and that's yeah. what – that's the ambition of – I think that's the ambition of anybody who truly wants to be successful in their dog craft. And going back to what you were saying before when we are talking about the us and them culture or the little divide that seems to be always there mm. that's apparent between the two of us – Unfortunately, that's going to be there. You know, I mean, it's it's nice that people like Nick Benger and many other people who have been kind enough to sit down and civilly discuss these topics, which is, unfortunately, it's a bit far and few between. But the people who are doing it, I commend them. And I think it's great that video that you were talking about, which Nick made before. What I do think that both of us would agree on both parties is that we both reject the extremism on both sides. You yeah, know, and, we, and we're seeing that sort of thing in the world today with, you know, political views and, and religious views and stuff like that. And when you practice these things in your own collective groups and you're there's a good level of sanity and community around them, there's no harm done. Like we're all doing yeah. it for the right reasons and we're all doing it because, you know, we love getting out on the weekends and we love working with our dogs and that's what we want to do. And I don't know why it seems to be, what? Well, that's probably inaccurate. I do know why because it gets headlines. I mean, you know, that, that extremist view always makes people sit up and take notice because people seem to love scandal. And that's yeah. that's the shame about it is that more headline grabbers are people who are doing scandalous behavior and reckless behavior because if you're just doing the same behaviors over and over again, it tends to bore people. And as much yeah, as people right. become outraged at terrible behavior, they seem to flock towards it because it just changes what's been mundane in their life week to week. I mean, so mm -hmm. I have to speak honestly and speak from the heart here. I mean, when you see tragedy on the news and so forth, it pricks your ears and you, you stop and, you know, you want to see how the story's unfolding. And that's kind of sad. I think you'd be better off as a, as a race and as individuals if you were just interested in working on self-improvement all the time. But I don't know. It just The scandal seems to be much more interesting. <laughs> well, anyway, I mean, we should move on. The last thing I wanted to say on the, the Nick Benger stuff is, um, you know, again, thanks to Nick if you're listening to the show. Yeah, good on you, mate. Very it's good. It's been a good time. Mm. The only thing is, you know, the only the only thing when I read the comments and stuff that has left a even a, a slightly bad taste in my mouth about the whole thing is there's just a lot of people who want to tell me you know, I don't understand dog training. There were some comments about like, this man obviously doesn't understand the quadrants and and how does he not get 100% reliable behavior using positive reinforcement? Well, like I Facebook stalk these people and they, they got nothing impressive going on, right? Like I just think that extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And when people say like, you know, I, I can totally – Prove to a hundred. I can train to a hundred percent reliability. Mm. Uh, everything using nothing but positive reinforcement. That's cool, but you better be able to pull out some video and show me that. And you better have some content. You better be able to actually prove some of these claims that you're making. And until then, they're just words. Yeah, but that's uh, that's the phrase of our club shirt. Cool story, bro. Show me a dog. Exactly. You know, and it's exactly. it's like people in sports have been doing it all years. They sit on their couch, they've got a fat belly and they're yelling at, at yeah. people who are actually running around on the field, you know, kicking the ball or, or taking the punch in the mouth and giving them a, advice from their lounge room. And, you know, like then they throw their popcorn at the TV and say, what a bum, I would have done this, that and the other. Well, man, yeah. you know, like- if if you were half coulda, your shoulda, body weight and yeah, coulda shoulda woulda. If you're half your body weight and you actually got up off your couch and got fit and got on there, maybe you could show us how it was done. But yeah, until that day, it's nice to be an armchair critic. 
That's it. And as I say, like my, of course, the the picture of the dog is a cornerstone of my ethics. But Isn't I want to be good. Mm, that's that's. But I want to be good. And if someone can show me a better way of doing it, I'm I'm up for it. But you have to be able to show me. Just telling me about it and saying that this will work that doesn't cut it. I need to be able to. You need to be able to prove it and show me that you've done it. Yeah. And not say I've heard about a guy. Or there's this famous, like, Denise Fenzi does it. I was like, well, you're not Denise Fenzi. You, if you're going to say it's 100% reliable and you're going to tell me, you need to be able to Yeah, stop to telling to me about the one percenters. I mean, the one percenters don't cut it for the rest of the population who are struggling with yeah. their dogs. That's, exactly. the, that's the sad story about this is, you know, like – Part of the induction for NDTF students is one of the first things I say to most of them is that a mind is like a parachute. It works best when it's open. So really every situation should be open mind, open heart. And I yeah. mean, the worst thing I've told this on the show before you have in your own way and other people have in their own way as well is that, you know, some of the worst and the, the most complicated time in your life, especially when you're talking about when we're talking in relation to dog training is when you do become closed minded and your arrogance and your ego clouds any good decision making or any good cognitive work that you're actually going to do. And that's why I say open mind, open heart. When you find that you are being open minded and people can show you something better or can give you a little better advice, it's only going to, that little little bit of advice is going to go a long, long way down the track. It just, mm-hmm. it just starts, it starts a spark, you know, and a spark can really invigorate you into more creative learning down the path. And I think that's important for us when we are debating things is not to get so angry and wound up and so defensive that we're shutting ourselves off to enormous scope of potential down the path. Mm. All right. Well, I would summarize by saying all in all, good outcome of talking mm. with the positive only community or force free or whatever they're calling themselves. The hopefully we can continue. <laughs> hopefully, can, can, hopefully people would want to continue that and look yeah. further into it in the future. Yeah. Hey, you just got back from holidays. I did. What was happening there? Had an amazing time. I wrote a little post on the discussion group that, um, Mm -hmm. you know, like I was pretty burnt out and completely fatigued. And I didn't, I just didn't want to give people the wrong impression. It wasn't that I was depressed or going spiraling into depression. It was just that I was completely annihilated after coming off school holidays here over the Christmas holidays. It's intense for everyone, not just for me, for the staff as well. Talking about heart and soul, there's an enormous amount of young people that work here that really, I mean, my God, they put in heart and soul in it. And it's, you know, everybody gets tired by the end of it. And I think just with me living on site and and getting up in the middle of the night and going out and and keeping dogs quiet and uh, checking on things that were going around the property, plus we had a massive storm around here that just blew the place apart, blew the place apart um, not long before Christmas. It was just a Mm. lot going on, a lot more than usual. And I I was just knackered. And it was just one, you know, one thing after another. And by the time I got to the end of it, I just thought, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm well past a holiday. I should have done it probably a month earlier, but um, as it has, you know, with NDTF and every all of my other commitments, it just nothing seemed to work to get me there earlier. But look, to be honest, it wasn't the end of the world. I was just stuffed. Mm. It took me a couple of days to really get into it. You know, I went over there and and usually I'm a, a bit more thoughtful about a few things. I was, um, I could tell that things weren't right because I was just making poor decisions at work and I wasn't really even making decisions. I was just letting things slide all the time, which is not my MO in life. You know, that's mm-hmm. I manage a lot of things and I don't like letting things go, but I was just letting things go because I was too tired to, to control it all. 
got over there, had I slept well, um, which was great, and I found that. Are you still using that watch there? That yeah, you can measure the sleep. You're still yeah, it's still on. into that. It's oh on. yeah, there it is. It's yeah, on. It's on. Yeah, um, which was an interesting thing. It's the Garmin Phoenix, and I measure my sleep when I'm here, and it shows me that I don't sleep very deeply when I'm at home. But when I like, I get like 45 minutes max of deep sleep. But when I was on mm-hmm. holidays, I was getting like two to three hours of deep sleep, and wow. like good cycles of REM sleep as well, which the which your sleep pattern show. I don't know how accurate it is, but. So they reckon they're about 60% accurate. I listened to a a sleep specialist the other day talking about it, uh, Dr. Matthew Walker. Right. And he was saying that those sleep trackers are about 60% accurate. They're a pretty good gauge, but they're not. Yeah, I I don't take it as gospel in any way, shape or form, but I still pay attention to it because it seems to have – some regularity there, which is is mm. is showing up information that I think is is important to take. Anyway, it's enough enough information to pay attention to. Yeah. Um. So that was. I'm that. about to get one. I'm getting that whoop band. It's getting sent to Jen's place. They won't deliver it to Australia, so I'm getting it in America because, like, I, I'm really into this. After listening to these podcasts about sleep, I'm super into it, and I want to game it. Like, I love anything that's measurable. I'm yep. obsessed with anything, and I'll be like, I'll be competing for sleep with myself. I'll be like, <laughs> oh, look at how well I did this night, and. I'll be, once I have something that I can track, you know, that's how my brain works, right? Like as soon as I've got something trackable and then, and measurable, I yep. then have to beat the time before. And so I'll be, <laughs> I know I'm pretty excited about getting it actually. I'll be like playing with diet and I'll be experimenting <laughs> with all different things and trying to get like maximum deep and REM sleep. And it'll be a, it'll be a fun competition with myself. Hey, and that was a, that, that was a rule. community thing I can join and have uh, competitions about sleeping mm. with other people, which is way better than workout <laughs> competitions. That I've been involved in in the past. Yeah, which you got smashed. <laughs> oh, I got pantsed in that last one. I got absolutely hammered. I gave up. Man, I gave up a few days out. I was like, no, nah, I can't beat this. I'm going to eat a donut instead. Yep. Yeah, you're better off doing that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Let's talk about some dog stuff. Mm. Yeah. So you put out asking for topics, and since now that you're just back and we're just kind of riffing, we're going to work our way through that. Mm. Thanks to everybody for. Uh, suggesting stuff. And a lot of these things are not things that we can just do on a whim. A couple of these uh, things that people have mentioned in here would be really good Patreon episodes that just need a little bit of prep. We can't just sort of shoot from the hip on that. Yeah, Um, we're definitely taking them into consideration. Pat and I just had a little powwow not long ago and we've we're going to have a little business meeting and I'm doing the like the fingers for inverted commas. It's business. <laughs> so we're going to do a little business meeting and sort of try and plan out the year a little bit. But always, always feel free to like if you think of something or something amazing is happening that you would like us to get involved in or investigate a little further, that would be highly recommended. Definitely want to look into things like that as well. But yeah, it was, it's yeah. It, one of the things I really thought was great, like I was reading in the forums while I was away, I was sitting in, on my um, porch overlooking the crystal blue waters of the Maldives. Oh, um, rub it in. Yeah. And, but well, yeah, I was, I was watching, I was reading the, the forums over there and what I really liked over there, like people were asking questions and I'd go to reply and then somebody wrote a better reply than what I was going to reply. And I yeah. thought... I was reading some things that one person that really stood out to me and there was a lot, don't get me wrong, but one person that really did stand out in a couple of occasions was things that Georgie Harrington was writing. Mm, uh, that, yeah. that young lady has got a real complex thinking mind on her and I mean that in a compliment. Yeah, yeah that's what I was Georgie's the dark horse. She's Absolutely. awesome. And you know, and she'll be I a guest remember on when we show, started hopefully. that group. 
Yeah. I remember when we started, when you started that group, we we're talking about, oh, should we start a group for the podcast? I was like, don't do it, mate, because we're going to have to be, I'm trying to cut back my social media addiction where we're, we're going to have to be in that group all the time and we're going to be getting smashed with questions and it's going to just be like a another time vacuum. And for a little while, you remember there were episodes where we we're like, oh, guys, we can't answer all these questions. But now I, I, it, I hardly become get a chance to it. It's to, become to so organic. Me. Yeah. We've got, yeah. we've got some really, we've got some very wise minds that have joined that group uh, yeah. and are getting on board with, there's some high end thinking going on in that group. That, I mean, yeah. it's and very the culture in there. We've talked about it before. The culture in there is awesome. Like yeah, people yeah, are yeah. really supportive and helpful to each other. Nothing, we haven't had a single argument, like nothing's degenerated in there. We spoke about this before and then I expected that people I've to get on there. i one person off. Like, oh, have you? Yes. One person. Only How one dare, person. Sir. Well, it needed to happen because the comments they were writing were just totally bizarre, and yeah, they right. were they were way out of field. So somebody actually highlighted it and said, "This is." Um, oh yeah, I know you're talking. Yeah, about. so I just um I gunned them out of the group, chased them out with a pitchfork. That's it. Yeah, can't have that sort um, of nonsense and but yeah, like, wag. There's a few times where I go to answer a question, I'm like, "Oh, Georgie's done a better job of me than that already," and then I'm like, yeah. "What?" what what point? What what's the point of having me here? Well, that's a, that's the kind of thing that I look at when I go to reply to something. I, there's no point in just adding words to to a page when somebody has like their the eloquence of their answer is much better than what you would do. I mean, I don't do things just to be seen to be writing things. You know, I mean, we get to do the podcast and we get to talk, and it's nice to, that other people have and are highlighting their own intellect and, and their knowledge in certain fields. I like to do that because I also gain the advantage of learning from them as well, which is mm. something that everybody needs to take on board is you can learn something from everybody. And that's yeah, I think that, that's, that's right. one of the highlights when you've got an open heart, open mind. All right. Nicole Smith mm. says, not sure if it's been done because I'm not 100% up to date with all the episodes. So why are we answering her question? She's not even up to date with the episodes. So rude. <laughs> training the person to train the dog. For example, a board and train dog was picked up last week after two weeks with me. I did a complete demo of where we were up to and the dog nails it. Owner takes dog and it all turns to shit. shit. Hmm. Give us useful tips on helping the owner handle the dog and continue on with maintenance training. Mm -hmm. Glenn, what do you think? Well, it's been a long-term issue for most people that are in the industry, especially in boarding and training. Um, I mean, boarding and training gets a, a variation of raps from people, that, and everyone's got an opinion of everything, of course. I think boarding and training is a fantastic option for for dogs to give them a head start. Mm. Some people disagree, and they say, "Oh, yeah, but if you know, unless the owner's involved, it's a disaster from the start." And there's all you know, you can read so much rhetoric online, but I mean, you always get the fors and the againsts in any argument. But let me explain to it from the point of view that I've done because I've done board and trains for years. Like I started when I was working for Boyd way back when. I was helping run his training centres, and I was running his kennels for him, and I was buying and selling dogs that we would we were doing for um, home security and security and contract work and so forth. So when you've got dogs in kennels, the responsibility is on you to make sure that you're giving the dog a head start. One of the things that I say to my own trainers here, and one of the things that I say to anybody, even NDTF or outside that, in just in general feedback and discussion. We've had this talk in, in people when I've been speaking for PIAA, which is the Pet Industry Association. 
the question is often asked, you know, like I've done this work with the dog, I've handed it back to the owner, you know, like they've seen me train the dog, they've seen me do all the work. I usually say to them, stop, I know what you're going to say. I can almost read your mind word for word what's going to come out of your mouth then. Like you've done an amazing job. It's almost like you've got the dog up to, you know, like a super high standard. In some cases, you could almost trial the dog. You'll see the dog two weeks later when they, if they return on their complimentary revisit and it's like watching a train wreck. Mm. And that's not unlike the way, and I, I'm sure we've talked about this on the show before, but that's not unlike the way children behave dependent, you know, like they can go to their grandparents and be complete spoiled brats. And then yeah. when they come home, I think you've had issues with this before where you- rip- No, you tried to tell me I had issues with it, but I don't. It- <laughs> no, it's not issues. It's like, I don't think it's an issue, but it's just like he'll experiment with how he behaves around you after he's been in the influence of somebody else. Well, he t- I mean, kids do that with everyone, right? They so, do, like, of he's, the way he is for me alone is how he is different for Jane alone. And the way he is for when the both of us are there is different. Like, he, of course. he's learned exactly what he can get away with and with who, yep. for sure. For sure. Yeah. And I, I often relate the original Jurassic Park movie when they originally caught the velociraptors, uh, not caught them, they bred them, but when they housed the velociraptors and Jeff Goldblum was the the actor then and he was asking, I believe it was an old Australian guy who was the, the keeper at the time, he said, are they smart? And he said, oh yeah. He said, they take it in turns to test the fence in different variations to see if it's still on or if it's mm-hmm. activated or if they can get through it. And that's not unlike what dogs do in life. You know, they're constantly testing things out to see what is anything changing today? Can I get away with it? How are you going to respond to that? We know they're not as cognitive or deductive as what we are. We absolutely all agree. But there's definitely a level of intelligence there that I still think is unmeasured to a degree. We're, we're still learning a lot about the, the mind mapping of, of how canines think. But they certainly do play the field and they look for weaknesses in in how you behave and what you do on a day-to-day basis. I mean, Mm -hmm. we know that dogs will sit there. If you're on a couch and a dog's sitting in front of you and you just have a tiny little smirk, that dog will activate immediately just based on that. If you raise an eyebrow in a, you know, like in an angry fashion, the dog's ears will dip. You know, like if you're paying attention to what your dog will do, your dog is always paying attention to what's going on. So there's no wonder that when you do a boarding and training program and you have have a level of compliance that that dog has to meet, that dog's then going to go home to the owner and say, are you going to follow up on this? And if the owner is basically going back to, oh, you know, I've got a a busy lifestyle, I've got to do this and I've got to do that and and the swag of excuses come out, then naturally the dog is going to look at that and say, well, cool, I'll just edge back into my old program because that's the way it's going to be. So to get back into that situation, one of one of the conversations that's most important and has to happen in any respect is the owner when uh, the owner of the dog when they're initially lining up the consult with you or lining up the package with you is it needs to be clearly explained to them what is going to transpire so they need to know what happens when the dog comes to you but they also need to know that all of this is to no avail if they aren't prepared to change their life when the dog comes back. So mm. an explanation needs to ta- it does need to take place where you're saying to them, okay, not major things need to change, but there needs to be changes nonetheless. And as long as you have ethically laid that out in front of them, I usually recommend that they sign something to acknowledge that that's the case, that they, they have an 
an agreement in place with you to understand that if they don't change the way things are, there will be no change at home. I think it was Chad. It may have been Chad. Chad said a couple of profoundly intelligent things, which he does, which I really liked. And I think it was him that said that in with one of his clients, he had to spend time transforming his client into a professional handler. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, I really like that. And I mean, without using that term, it's something that many of us have had to do with people in our clientele. In our yeah, we base. talked about that with Jazz. When Jazz first came to me and was like, hey, I want to turn this dog into an assistance dog. And I was like, you are going to have to become a fucking good dog trainer to pull that off. Yeah. And and that's what you did. Yeah. Well, that's right. I mean, and that's the that's the thing that, that most clients – that's a conversation that most clients have to have or be, uh, be a part of having is to make sure that they're aware of what their obligation needs to change to when they come home. Because mm. – if they do just go back in the old rut and it's the same thing, you know, like if you get inspired to go on a fitness program and then while you're away at a, at a fat camp or whatever it is, okay, and then you come home and you just get back into the rut of, you know, like eating the same shitty foods and, and not walking and not doing any additional exercises, well, you're going to find that um, all that progress that you made in the time you were there is going to quickly revert and go back in the other direction. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're basically paddling in a current that's stronger than what you are. Yeah. Which is what I try and explain to the dog owner is I'm, I'm to say to them that you've got to take on board that even though you don't want the owner to, to believe that they're a monster or a piece of shit, they have to understand that the dog has become the way it is because it's been allowed to. I mean, mm. all, the t- all the tools and all the grounding have been there to say to the dog, you can become this. And it's ignorance that does it. It's, it's not deliberate. It wasn't planned. The person didn't train their dog into becoming a nightmare. What they did was life just took them by the hand like it does with everybody else. They got distracted along the way. You know, they had all the time in the world for this little puppy. But, you know, like most things, a great big shade of gray comes over their life and suddenly this puppy is an adult dog and it's a problem for them. And at least, mm. and at least, at least they have actually done the right thing by stepping out of their comfort zone, acknowledging that they've got a problem, which is the first part of the cure is acknowledging that you've got a problem, going out and seeking guidance and looking for somebody integral to actually take them by the hand and saying, okay, well, I understand now you need a, a professional to step in and, and help you with this, but they got to listen. They got to pay attention to it. Yeah. If they're not prepared to meet you halfway, then- already you can see the online issue ahead of you. Yeah. On this topic, you know, from Nicola, I think I don't do a lot of board and trains. I've done, you know, plenty, but it's not, that's not my setup. Mm. The ones that I do, I think the first thing I really learned early is to manage expectations of people and, and be realistic about what you can reasonably achieve in the time frame that they're giving you. You know, a lot of people, they offer like behavior guaranteed or whatever over three weeks. And it's like, hey, I wouldn't want to teach anything to my own dog in three weeks that I can guarantee anything. So you got to manage expectations. Well, you can guarantee behavior. I mean, you can guarantee a change in behavior. You can't just guarantee that it's going to be, it's going to meet every expectation that the owner has. Yeah, that's that's, the, it. that's so, the problem. And that's where people are lacking integrity is when they're saying, I can stop a dog pulling on a leash in five minutes. Well, I mean, you can certainly do things like that, but it's you're talking about a short-term solution to a, a, a long-term yeah. problem that's, that ain't going to go away. It's going to resurface straight away. Yeah. So what I kind of came around to with it is, I think we spoke about this one time before, is 
I, and I do use this language now, I used to avoid using this language and now I don't, I give people the benefit of the doubt and I explain to people, hey, I am going to use, I'm going to give you a bunch of classically conditioned cues. I'm going to put those into your dog. I'm going to give you a communication technique using mm. classical conditioning, i.e. I'm going to put in markers. I'm going to develop the the clicker or the, the I prefer the clicker. I'm going to teach the dog what like a non-reinforcing marker is. I'm going to show the dog that he's on the right track and the path that he wants to do is inevitable, it, it is impossible. And then I'm going to make your dog operant. I am going to show him that he's in control of, of receiving those reinforcers and there's behaviors he can do that will bring those reinforcers on mm. and there's behaviors he can do that will bring those non, that non-reinforcing marker or punishment if that's the road we're going down. And then as for actually training a bunch of behaviors, you can put a dent in it. And I think like that is useful and necessary to, to put a dent in those behaviors. And especially if there's a problem behavior, you can address that you know, somewhat indirectly. If the problem is in their home, you can address it somewhat indirectly. But then I say to people, your best use of your money is not to say, leave the dog with me for three weeks. It Leave the dog with me for two weeks and then employ me at an hourly rate to train you to do these things with your dog. So I like to train the dog in, this is how I do, this is how we're going to communicate, this is how you can effectively communicate with a human and this is how you can bring the outcomes that you want with that human. There's things that you can do that bring on the reinforcers you want and there's mm-hmm. things that you can do that will bring you discomfort. And then I'm better off spending way more time rather than doing that with the dog and having the dog awesome in my presence. I only want the dog sort of okay or good in my presence. And then I want to bring the in the owner and be like the best use of our time together or, or your money is not having me just train the dog at an hourly rate is now the dog has the basics. It's better that I train you and we spend more time with the people. So we change the I have over the years changed the way that I do the handback. I do. I'm happier to do less time with the dog because I'm better now at putting those uh, core behaviours into the dog, the things the dog really needs and 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 can understand, use for training in the future, mm. and then spend more time with the people and say this is the best use of your money, rather than I can. Because I've had that frustration exactly like you say in the past, where I've trained dogs to a super high standard, and then hand it over to the person and right there in front because the reinforcement history is still there. They can get the dog to do all the cool things that I, I could get him to do at right, you know, in my garage there on the spot. Dog looks great. They go home. By that afternoon, the dog can't do any of the fucking things that I've shown him how to do. And it's just because they've stopped reinforcing correctly. Yeah. The dog's – there's no – the reinforcement history has faded away. They've stopped marking correctly. The dog's like, well, this other guy pays me for doing all these things. You're not paying me. There's no point. Well, right? the dogs are when smart enough to pick it up straight away that the life yeah, that it was – the old life. That's right. Then back to the old life. Yeah, and exactly as you say, in like the same way when my my kids with me goes, okay, this is how I behave, and then when he's with mum, this is how this is how I behave, and it's not necessarily that he's choosing bad behaviour. It's just this is what gets it's just alternate behaviour. That's right. Yeah, this is this is what is comfortable to do in that in this circumstance. The um, one thing that we we all I think we generally all agree on is that every species on the planet. The whole thing they're trying to do in their existence is trying to make their lifestyle better by their terms. Yeah, you know? yeah exactly. And and 
that's how that's how learning takes place. You do things, they become uncomfortable. You know, if you want to use the term pressure, we feel pressure in life. We try and avoid those pressure. We try and avoid those small discomforts. And what we want to do is try and make things as pleasurable for us as we possibly can. I mean, yeah. that's the crux of life. And that's, that's not indifferent to what a dog is searching out through its lifestyle. So if it knows that its owner is going to cut massive corners and it's th- through observation that the dog has, has witnessed that happening time and time again, the dog is quickly going to return to the basis of what it believes is a comfortable and easy lifestyle. It's not unlike a, what do they call those kids who get money from their parents? Trust uh, fund babies. Tr- yeah, trust fund babies. It's not like, unlike trust fund babies who travel around Europe, you know, they live a very spoilt lifestyle. They, they shop in all those ugly fashion shops that it seemed to be empty all the time. <laughs> oh my God, they're hideous. You go down there and the, I, I don't even know. I'm, I'm obviously haven't got an eye for fashion. You don't understand fashion, bro. Oh, I certainly don't because they look like, I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> let me let me just um, say this quickly. I've got to say this quickly because it's a, it's a bugbear of mine. Every time I've been to anywhere in the world and I've gone to places and I've seen certain brand stores that they're all stuck together in you know in certain high profile areas, there's no one in them. How do they afford <laughs> to pay the rent? Like they're seriously. Sure, they're they're um flagship stores it's like i was in the bow shop at they must uh, just Westfield throw Bondi away Junction. money just to have a a, a place in, in it. yeah they do like there's they do. no it's, one it's in the in the damn shop yeah, i mean when i look at the clothes i can loss. understand that but i mean god anyway yeah sorry. those shops they run a massive loss it's a flagship store <laughs> mm, yeah um like I was saying, I was in the Bose one the other day. They've got like four products. It's not like they've got like heaps of different things. They've got like four products on display that you can go and listen to music and they've got like these booths and stuff. Mm. And I was trying to buy headphones and the dude was like, oh, like it was like they they don't sell anything. He was shocked when I wanted to buy something. He probably something. thought, he like, oh, you just go to- goodness, your ears are way too ugly for these <laughs> defined looking. No, I was I was, I was was well-dressed. He was happy to serve me. Mm. Um, but he was like, he kind of gave me this look like, can you just go to JB Hi-Fi and buy those? Because like, we're just a, a show you the stuff place. We're not really a sell you the thing place. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's another topic. Yeah, But so I, I think going back to Nicole's Original question, question yep. tips from me is, restructure to spend more time with the people if you if you are gonna have a budget if to pick a fee let's say like it's three thousand dollars for your board and train right now i don't know where you are and whether that's expensive or cheap in your area whatever and if you then go okay well like it's a thousand dollars a week and that's three weeks with the dog maybe a better option is to cut the board and train back. If you think people are only going to pay the 3000 and not up the price for more private lessons after, is to do less time with the dog and focus more on giving the dog communication techniques and skills rather than actually teaching behavior and then teach the person, the owner, the handler, how to use those communication techniques and skills and then have them actually reinforce the dog better and and do better with the dog and and have them actually give them the tools Mm. to have the dog fit better into their life that's ideal and i agree with you i think there's there's certainly no argument that that's a better way to do it however that's a perfect world theory and knowing human behavior as well as i do there's a lot of people out there who uh they won't commit to that and they should yeah. get, they should commit to that, and that's usually a part of the educational lecture that they would get from me and my team. In that basis, they would be encouraged to spend more time and do more lessons with their dog, or even come down and attend field training so we could actually watch them work and so forth. But these people, 
the best they're going to commit to, and it's it. We're certainly working on that conversion all the time, but the best they're going to commit to is coming down and saying, "Well, while my dog's boarding, I'll get some training done with the dog." So mm. you really should have an obligation, as you said before. I agree that they should be encouraged to spend more time with you going through a process where they're learning to take over and they're learning how to craft the tool themselves to become more of a professional handler with their dog. So they mm-hmm. need they need to understand. There's no two ways about it. I've already made this point, but it's it's worth saying again. They really need to understand that their obligation is to change their way and there's no, nothing will change without their change. Yeah. That's that's the end of it. That's the end of the end of the story. If I got to the end of the page, that's what that's where you that's where you have to come to terms with. Nothing will change without you changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of the 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 punchline of the whole thing, it is. right? It like is. You turn the dog into this problem that you you need. You're asking someone else to fix. Yeah. And everything is a band aid if you don't actually fix the way that you live with a dog. Which comes back to the old phrase, if you always do what you always did, then you always get what you always got. Oh, look at that. Mm. You, you just rattled that off perfectly. Yeah, I've, I've been saying that one for years. And that's, one, <laughs> that's actually one that I do say to clients. So I phrase that to clients because I've been saying that to people for 25 years. It was said to me at the start and it was said in a training application that if you do what you always have been doing, then don't expect things to change. You know, Mm. if you're still eating shitty foods, don't expect to be losing weight. You know, like if you're carb loading all the time and you're not paying attention to calories in, calories out, nothing will change. You know, you'll yep. you'll just get heavier and heavier and you'll complain about it more and then you'll use the excuse, well, I'm big boned and this, that and the other, which I've tried in my time before. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, you know, like um, I've, I, try. I've been in a fat body suit for, for many years of my life, but it's no one else's fault but mine. I'm, a, I'm the guy who puts the food in my mouth and, and chews it and chooses to swallow it. You know, I can't yeah. blame other people for that. It's, it's my choice. There's reasons around that. That, of course, I'm not saying it's just so easy because if it was, everybody would look trim, trim and terrific all the time. You'd be cut and you'd be shredded, and it, and there'd be no use for gyms. There'd be no use for dog trainers because people would have all this shit worked out. You know, yeah. and that's that's the issue with life is that we just don't have our shit worked out all the time. We've got so, like I said, there's so many other competing motivators and distractions for people out there all the time. Is that their their attention is divided amongst things of little importance to very important, but the, you know how they choose to scale that is entirely up to the individual. You know, um, on the topic of dogs and people living with them, you know, I, I often just feel like it's worth pointing out that as dog trainers, we see the worst because that's what we get asked to intervene in. Yeah, you talked like about most, this a while back when we were talking about vets when they tend to see the worst of and that's the thing that, yeah. that um, sparks yeah, that's right. their- Like their, most yeah. people just live these awesome lives with their dogs they and do. the dogs fit into their lives yeah. and they never have a problem. Like I'd say that's the the overwhelming majority of people just get a dog, they don't do anything foolish. Most people understand like this is reinforcement and how it works. Yep. This is how I manage the behaviors that I want. This is how I keep the things happening that I want. This is how I stop things happening. And they don't need to be professionally coached in that. Like most people just sort of end up with it. It's when you get the the mix of the wrong dog in the wrong home, that's when it's all – like you get, that's a guaranteed problem happening right there. Yeah. Um, and most of the time it, it, it's it's – 
it's that that mm. brings on these behavioral issues. It's just that this is not a good match. You wanted a couch potato and you got an Olympic athlete. That's the problem that we face now. Yep. And that dog wants to work or that dog wants to do stuff. No one ever goes to like for a board and train because, oh, my dog's too, my dog's too awesome at laying around on the couch and cuddling me. <laughs> well, we, the, one <laughs> of the, seldom the problem. One of the great things that we do, we have a lot of, uh, I'm not, I wouldn't say a lot of, that's an, that's a, exaggeration we do have clients that they don't really care for the follow-up of the boarding and training because all they want is the additional stimulation of the boarding and training for their dogs when they're on holidays because they know that it's a better lifestyle for their dog in a kennel and it's more of a they just get that added stimulation while they're there they get to be out they get they get training they get to be doing things engaged in life you know and it's like when dogs are doing activities there's lots of boarding kennels that i know of and boarding kennel operators and people in their employment who do you know they take the dogs out for walking and running and everything like that and i think that's wonderful because it stops the dogs from going mad in the kennels and Mm. you know just running around in a small space trying to occupy time well they've got very little to do and i think that's great i like to and and we try and encourage it from that aspect as well when dogs are boarding we try and upsell all the additional peripherals that are that are available so we say we've got walks we've got activities some are provided gratis with the service and and they're often encouraged to do extra for the benefit of the dog you know i'm not going to say the company doesn't make money out of it that's that's not true but it's better for the dog's state of mind. It stops the dog from going crazy. It stops the dog from barking at night. It gives the dog a rested mind. It lets the dog settle in. It, they start bonding with the staff better. There's so many advantages to it. Mm. It's it's so good for the dog to be doing these things and have these things considered. It's almost a crime that people don't consider it. You yeah, know, like it's almost an act of complete stupidity when a person just wants to board their dog and go budget boarding while they're having an amazing holiday and then they're worried about the dog and then they want photos of the dog while they've paid for the dog to sit in the kennel. Well, mm. that's what you paid for, dude. Yeah. Most of the staff don't do one. that. Don't get me I, wrong. I mean, some of the girls that work for us are just, they're fucking amazing. Yeah, really you've are. got the best stuff. I've changed my tune on this over the years. The more involved I am in dogs, the more I, I recommend people go to boarding kennels. I, like all my clients, when they, they ask me, oh, what, we're going away, what should we do with the dog? I'd say, send them straight to pet resorts. Like I'd send them straight to you guys. Don't even Thanks, look dude. for a pet sitter. Mm. Oh, well, you know, bro. Um, but I, I say to people, <laughs> don't even look for a pet sitter because mm. there's the stress of that. You know what I mean? And And you just don't know – because again, because my lens, the way I look on things is the training that people are going to be doing with the dog. And you finally got the dog to the lifestyle that leading the way that you want to live. And now you've got someone else in your home that is reinforcing all the wrong things and, and knows that they're not going to be there for the long haul. So Mm. any behaviors, any booby trap behaviors they install in your dog, they're not going to have to deal with. And then the other one is when your dog goes to stay with other people, I've done that in the past. And I, I find that so stressful. I find that so worrying because I'm concerned about how the dog is going in their home and it's not his home. And is he trying to escape and how's he fitting into their home? Like I find for me personally, uh, and it's why I recommend it to all my clients is when you're away, I put my dog in a boarding kennel. Yep. Are they going to have as fun a time there as they could somewhere else? Probably not, but are they guaranteed to be safe Yes, mm. that, and that's the main thing I, I worry about. Can I let me just add a caveat onto that because being on boards and and serving the community, like I look after a lot of people in the boarding kennel sector and the pet care sector in general, not just for pet mm. resorts, but that's part of a role I serve on the Pet Industry Association. Is that we are often 
you know, the, the people who raise the issue of oh, horror stories in boarding kennels and blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, there's horror stories that happen at home too. Yeah. You know, like there's plenty of dogs that are seeing, like there's 99% of dogs that are going to vets for issues like bloat and stuff like that happen in people's own backyards. You know, just because it ha- it happened in a boarding kennel, it didn't mean that it wouldn't happen, it wouldn't have happened to the dog in the backyard. So, yeah, well, there'll be some issues in boarding kennels and pet sitters and doggy daycare centers and things like that from time to time. But it also happened in the person's backyard as well. It's just yeah. that, you know, there is an expectation that people think, well, if it's in a if it's in a professional organization, they should have prevented this from happening. Well, man, you can't stop nature from happening sometimes, you know, yeah. and, and dogs are very inquisitive and destructive creatures. If there's anything sticking out on the fence, a dog will bloody find it. Yeah. If there's any possible way that a, a dog could squeeze through a 50 cent piece, it'll try. Dogs are very industrious little creatures and they will, you know, like stress and anxiety and even an inquisitive nature will bring about these attempts to do stupid things from time to time. So mm. nobody is without, there's no absolute guarantee that nothing is going to go wrong. But when you've got well-trained staff, when you've got good policies and procedures in place, when you've got people who actually do care about their job, because, I mean, we handpick a lot of our staff. A lot of our staff are actually graduates from NDTF, so they already have that Cert 3 in professional dog training and behaviour. So they actually mm. understand dogs are part of our team. And mm-hmm. other boarding kennels that I know of, they're doing the same thing. You know, they might not be NDTF, but they might have Cert 3 in animal studies or something like that. So these people are really taking it upon themselves to raise the bar and raise the standard. And, you know, they're attending seminars, they're learning, they're listening to podcasts like ours. They're making great headway into the industry to improve the standard overall to make sure that there is better quality pet care for people out there and that they are providing these services and giving dogs active engagement while they're in in their care, I think they're wonderful people. You know, I speak to some people and I mean, it's been great for me to be in this position as well because I've been learning things from other operators who have been doing things better than us in certain things that I've taken back to the team and saying, hey, I've seen, you know, our our colleagues down the road are doing this. They showed me how they do it. I really think we should take this on board. Or we might be doing something and and there's so there's it's such a niche organization that we really should be sharing the best of what we're doing instead of keeping it to ourselves mm-hmm. and not raising the bar together. Because I really think that all of us, if we're trying to improve the pet care industry as a total, we should all be working together. Trainers should be doing it, boarding kennel centers should be doing it, doggy daycare, rescue groups, the whole lot. Everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I talk about that certainly with your staff there. I think I've mentioned it one time on the podcast as well. Like, you know, Remy was staying there one night and when I got up in the morning, the girls come out and they're like, hey, you just want to check on Remy. He, he looked a bit off this morning. Uh, and I'm like, oh, what do you mean? They're like, he just didn't bark at us the same way that he normally does. Mm. And they're that attentive to it. Like they, so they knew immediately something was off. And I was like, no, it was just because we're up all night doing bite work. He didn't get put in the kennel till like three in the morning. And then he's still asleep when you came in at eight in the morning. He's not as aroused as he normally is. That's all it was. But they noticed that straight away and said to me, hey, got to go check on him because he didn't bark at us as enthusiastically as he usually does. It, it's and so impressive, that, isn't that it? That to me is, say again. It's impressive, isn't it? Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. Yeah. That's that's where I'm like, oh, that's that's where they're on their game. They know the dog. I mean, he, he's there a fair bit, but he, they know him well enough to know in the morning he was not quite himself. And they knew I was coming in that day. Oh, I was actually staying there. But mm. they knew to tell me straight away. And if I wasn't there, you know, they would have kept an eye on him all day and it would have, you know, 
that's why I just feel like he's going to be safe there. It's it. There's professional dog people he's in the care of. Would he rather be running free in someone's backyard? Of course. But if something goes wrong, he's not in the care of professional dog people. Mm. It's um, ama- one of the things that I amaze myself on. We often complain about their behaviour and the attitude of millennials, but I mean, ninety-five percent of my staff are young millennial females, and they are beautiful people who do an amazing job, and they work fucking hard in those kennels. I mean, when you've got dogs jumping over you, you've got the attitude of dogs. You know, some people's dogs are not the best behaved. You know? <laughs> and, um, and these you girls. Can say there's some hard work dogs in the kennel. Yeah, yeah, there, there are. There's some dogs that really test their mettle and, you know, they put up with a daily basis, but they love it. They love mm. it. They love those dogs. And, you know, they just, they're so attentive to them and they take in all the consideration. I, I mean, really, when you watch them work at Christmas and, I, and you know, I whinge about how exhausted I was and the fact that I needed a holiday, but, you know, I like, I'm just saying that I appreciate my staff. I think that they're... It's good. It's like everywhere. You get a couple of bad eggs in things, but, I mean, on the whole, we've been very fortunate that we've got a workforce of very young people who work hard and have good heart and soul in what they do, and I'm, I'm pretty proud of them, I've, I've got to say. I'm really quite excited that I get to work with such a dynamic team. There you go. That's my happy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's your shout out of love That's to your sh- stuff. It is. Yeah, no, they're good. They're really – I appreciate them. Hey, Come up with some well, great ideas too. They really – that's one of the things. They, oh, when we're talking about that, this brings me back to a story about we had a former staff member here and, you know, like even current staff have done this in, in other ways too, but we had a former staff member here. This is going back a couple of years ago and this dog came in and it literally came in and within three hours of coming in, the dog stressed and got bloat but it was in the early stages. And one of the girls came out to me and she said, Glenn, I think this dog's going to bloat. And I said, what makes you think? And she said, I just noticed its stomach. And she said, then I went back there to check on it, make sure the dog was settling in. She said, I did a drum test on the dog's stomach where she flicked the stomach and she said, it just sounded too gaseous to me. I'm not confident that the dog is doing well. She said, I've tried to ring the owner to find out and I can't get hold of him. And I said, get the dog in the van, take it up to the vet. So she rushed it up to the vet. The vet said, you saved this dog's life. And, yeah. you know, and she said, wow. And the vet rang me and she and said, you should be very, very proud of this staff member. You know, like the dog was going into early bloat and because we caught it early. It was a minimal operation. The dog's going to be fine. We've spoken to the owner. They want the dog to recover here and then come back to you and, you know, want to commend all your staff. Came back, bought the staff, you know, like chocolates and champagne and all that sort of stuff. They were just over the moon how quickly they reacted. And, um, you, you know, when you see things like that, it's it's just amazing that, you know, like if you had people that weren't paying attention and weren't on the ball, they'd just walk past it and go, yeah, you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But that's, yeah, that's the right. thing is that when you've got, you know, when we're talking about owners, you know, tying this all back in, when you've got staff like you've got pet owners that pay attention to these small things, they can make a massive difference in the outcome. Yeah, totally. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. Hey, I reckon we wrap it up. Yeah, that's a good time to wrap it up. Hopefully we so, answered your question, Nicole. I mean, I get it. We're brothers and sisters in arms because you're a boarding kennel owner-operator and I've been involved in it for more years than I can count. And, uh, mm. it, you know, it's it's a very rewarding job. I wouldn't change it. I actually – I really love my job and I, I love the people I work with. I've, I've got an amazing team and the people that actually own the business are, you know, my best friends. I'm really a lucky and very fortunate person. I get a great deal of – flexibility in my role and my job but it also comes with its stresses 
It's a very emotional business. There's a lot of long hours and, and long considerations that have got, have got to be done. It's a 24-hour job, not just a nine-to-five, five days a week that you can forget mm. about. You're not you know, sticking cans on a shelf and then you don't have to worry about it. Look, there's stress in everything. That's what I'm trying to say. There's stress in everything. But when you're dealing with life, life is precious. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of summarize manage expectations and try and convince the owners to do longer handover sessions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's that's the way to go. Yeah. All right. Hey, that's it for another episode of the Canine Paradigm. It's our first one back after a week off. Mm. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We are going into a really crazy period because I'm about to spend a couple of weeks locked down on the Nipopo schools and then I'm off to America for a couple of weeks. Mm. So we might be a little bit all over the place again, but we've got a guest we've got a stand-in co-host yep. we've got a stand-in coming in to, yeah, I'll, to have, record I'll have new pat coming in new pat yeah and i think everybody's going to be excited to find out who it is it's someone they know and love it is um we're not just dropping someone on them so there'll be some episodes coming out minus me it'd be a bit um, embarrassing if they actually prefer new pat <laughs> well it wouldn't surprise me it wouldn't surprise me I, I might just get a message while i'm in the states like don't come back hey, uh hey pat don't come back <laughs> <laughs> to the show anyway. The plan is to try and have me able to Skype in sometimes and see how, how that goes. Try and do that from the States while I'm there. We'll make and it maybe work. Have Long, long-term love or something they call it, don't they? <laughs> long-distance love. Long-distance love. Long distance love. Yeah, long-distance love. <laughs> yeah, the plan is to try and have me maybe Skype in with guests from overseas when possible, but also because – there's a bunch of really super cool people going to be in town over the next couple of weeks doing the Nipopo school. So hopefully we can get some really cool interviews if we find some time to do that over the next few weeks. Maybe we'll get Uncle Bart back on. That would be amazing if we can. It would. Um, yeah, we need to do a follow-up. His episode is still our highest rated episode on our downloads. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for another episode of the Canine Paradigm. As always, if you like what you hear, like, rate, share, subscribe. Do that from whatever subscription service you download us from. We had a whinge the other day that no one's been doing that very much, and I thought that would prompt some more like, rate, shares, and subscribes, but it hasn't, you fuckers. So get on there. <laughs> do it again. if you Find another subscription service and do it there. Just yeah. bump us up. Give us that dopamine hit. Build a false account. Do it. <laughs> if you it's like Shia LaBeouf. What are you waiting for? Just do it. <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> if you want to support the show, the best way to do that is via Patreon. Uh, there's a few different tiers there. Three bucks a month gets you access to an educational episode. We've got another one of those coming out very soon. That's actually going to be a video episode, so you guys should be excited about that. Ten oh, bucks Narelle's got to do her you- soon too. Yeah, she's got to do her, her Q&A. Yep. 10 bucks Q&A. gets you access to the uh, once a month Q&A and $500 gets you uh, a, car, a hug and a kiss. Oh. Um, <laughs> I was about to say. Who from? <laughs> well, they get to pick. Okay. They get to pick. And if you want to get in contact with us, the best way to do that is via email. We are info at thecanineparadigm.com. We've actually been getting quite a lot of um, supportive emails back. All right. That's it. Music.